here. And that lets you save the look here. True form life. Green look on Welcome to another edition of Exploring Mind and Body. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia. All right, thanks so much for being here on this edition of the show. I always appreciate your time to come in, see what we have going on each week. Now, today we have Megan Telpner coming on for an interview, and you'll soon find out she's chief of awesomeness. <laughs> I'll explain that shortly. She's also the author of Undiet, which is what we're going to talk about. I'll come back to that in a second. Just a quick word from MAK Mystic Expressions. Now, this is a Himalayan salt company that specializes in pink salt. Now, I feel that transitioning from white refined salt to pink salt is a small step we can all take to improve our lives. Now, if you head over to MAK Mystic Expressions, they have all types of products and information to help you better understand how pink Himalayan salt can improve your health. They have salt lamps, heat bags, grinders, shakers, you name it, they got it. So head over to makmystic.com for more details. All right, so as I was saying, we have Megan Telpner coming on for an interview, and I, this was an absolute blast. You're going to quickly find out how much fun we had together on this interview, and Megan's going to talk about undieting, basically. It's, it's a book that she's written, and it's a, the way, a lifestyle that she teaches, and I absolutely love it. Everything that she says resonates with me, and very similar to the way I teach as well and what I believe, so I know you're going to enjoy this. Sit right there and enjoy. We got all that coming up. Fun. This is Exploring Mind and Body. Naturally improve your lifestyle one show at a time with your host, Drew Tadia. Welcome to the show, Megan. Thank you, Drew. Megan, this show is going to be all types of fun. <laughs> Can you start off by telling me, <laughs> telling We're us? We're already that... laughing. We're already having fun. <laughs> well, I was just thinking about you know the show prep and i was like oh this is gonna be fun you know when i was thinking about your 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 official title can you share that with our audience <laughs> my my official title like with my company i am i am the chief of awesome <laughs> and where did this come from where did this name come from well you know it's funny because i you know by profession and and formal training i'm a nutritionist um, but that has sort of evolved over the last eight years since I've been doing this into a overall sort of wellness, health and well-being, awesome life cheerleader. And one of sort of I have this creed, it starts out with today is the day and the second line is make it ridiculously awesome town. And so at one point someone declared me the mayor of awesome town and it just kind of evolved into being the chief of awesome. <laughs> okay, I have a very serious question to ask you. Can, yes. Can you help me change my boring title? Yeah. A fitness specialist. We don't have to do it right yeah. now, but I need no, a well, verbal commitment. <laughs> I'm I'm in. I'm in and and it's it's going to be good. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. And and the thing is, you know what's interesting about this is that cuz I do work and and the core of my work is to help people find their their place in the world that brings them the, the most optimal health and happiness is that I get oftentimes when I'm emailing people and and it's often more corporate type emails that that I'm dealing with everyone always comments on my title because I remember when I worked in corporate and it was like this whole big deal. Like you get a title promotion without actually getting paid more. Like your title was so important. 
And like you, if you don't live up to it, it doesn't mean anything. So let's give ourselves these titles <laughs> that, that bring us a little bit of inspiration. Yeah. Well, you know, when I started, I was started as a personal trainer and I, and I've, since then I've radio shown and do a number of other things. And I started out with saying, I don't want to be called a personal trainer. And the, <laughs> it sounds sad, but the best I could come yeah. up with was fitness specialist. So we'll gonna, work on that. We're going to need some work on, on that. It's also that like all the passwords we use for my business, which I can't tell you obviously, but they're all mantras of some sort. So, you know, everyone uses passwords like their brother's wife's birthday or something. But if you had a password that's like, I'm incredible today. <laughs> And then it was some, you know, number because you usually need a number. But, you know, you can start integrating that into everything you do every day. And so if your passwords that you're entering every morning before you start work are something that, like, inspires you, that can have power. I love that. That's a great idea. Megan, tell me about your story and how you got into health and wellness. Yeah. So um, in it, it started in 2003. I, after finishing university, I got a degree in fashion marketing, which I clearly put to very good use. Um, I ended up going traveling through Africa and was dealing with some very serious health issues. Um, prior to leaving for Africa, I got all my vaccinations and, and became quite sick shortly thereafter. Was traveling, um, returned home, and, you know, late 2003, started dealing with some very serious um, digestive issues. And three years and 19 doctors later, in the summer of 2006, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. So I left my career, where at that point was in advertising, and decided to make myself my full-time job and really committed to trying to figure out what was wrong. So when I was diagnosed with Crohn's conventional medicine, my, my gastroenterologist said to me, you know, there's no known cause, no known cure. Um, these are the medications you could take. This is a potential surgery if it gets worse and we'll just watch and wait and see what happens. And so rather than just, you know, I sitting idly by while my body was imploding on me, um, I decided to start doing some research into food and nutrition and lifestyle and how that could potentially, if not help heal me, at least put my body in a stronger state so that if I did need surgery um, or needed strong medications, I'd be more resilient. Um, and the result was that in taking these major lifestyle shifts and dietary changes, my symptoms slowly but surely um, went away. And after three months, I had no signs or symptoms of this incurable disease. And I'm now going into my 10th year um, in complete what, what conventional medicine would call remission um, because there is no documented cure for it. Um, in my mind, I, I healed it. And, and that was really sort of my experience with that was what inspired me to, to go back and earn my formal education nutrition, try and figure out what it was that I'd actually achieved in my body. And the learning was sort of sparked from there. I became a nutritionist and then just, just kept learning and exploring and, and developing until it became, you know, the work that I do now. What type of lifestyle did you live before? Was it entirely unhealthy or was it just something that kind of came up from, I don't know, not, not living such a healthy lifestyle as you are now? Yeah, I don't think that my lifestyle would ever be considered unhealthy. Um, 
by, by sort of today's standards of what I think an unhealthy lifestyle is. I never really, I never really ate fast food. I didn't drink a lot of alcohol. I didn't drink soda ever. You know, I grew up where most of the food we ate, my mom made. Um, but I had never been taught any strategies for, um, processing stress and sort of how to deal with life in general. And I don't think most people are, you know, I hadn't even learned how to breathe using my full lung capacity. I didn't know how to meditate. So I didn't know how to stop being in the cycle of believing every thought that I had, which I think a lot of people are in where, where you're sort of, you've got this tape recorder that plays in your mind that perpetuates the stresses in your life. And those will manifest in different ways for different people. So I don't know that I, I was eating the, the, you know, the most unhealthy diet, um, it was okay. It wasn't great. Like I was eating, you know, white rice or, or bre- regular bread. And, you know, I, I realized once I started getting sick that like I couldn't have dairy and eventually I realized I couldn't have gluten and it was really a trial and error. But the diet change was definitely a huge part of it. And I think it's definitely had a huge part in sustaining remission and in maintaining my health or more so, um, expanding my health to a totally different level than I'd ever experienced. But I think equally and perhaps more important was the mental, emotional, spiritual component of actually learning how to live in the world in a happier and easier way that was less stress, stress ridden, less anxiety inducing, um, you know, more calm and really focusing on the positives, on finding happiness and and focusing on on gratitude, um, on on as a as a regular habit. And so, you know, they go together. And I think a lot of people dealing with health challenges, they want that like, what is the supplement I need, or what is the food I need to eliminate, or or what is the food I need to have more of? Like, if I have green juice, will I be healthy? Um, and it's not that simple. It's you know, we are very complicated beings, and it's it the solution for each of us is going to be unique. And that's really what evolved the undiet lifestyle, which is the the type of nutrition that, that I play by. Now, before we get into the undiet lifestyle, tell me more about, I know, I know you're doing all kinds of different things. Tell our listeners, you know, what you're doing and all the different things under, I guess, the realm of all the exciting funness you guys are having over there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So what we do around here, I started out teaching, you know, when I finished nutrition school, I was like, I wanted to shout from the rooftops, like, you don't have to be sick. And it's totally in your power to change the way you live and to change the future of your life. Um, And so I started out teaching cooking classes um, here in our, our little loft in the West End of Toronto. And it sort of expanded from there. I was writing a lot. I used to write for the National Post. And so my audience was growing and demand was growing for what I was offering. And so we started converting a bunch of my in-person classes into video-based classes. And that evolved further, which then resulted in what we have, the um, the Academy of Culinary Nutrition, where we train people globally um, in in all of this, like in the, in the applied nutrition, how to take what we know about health and nutrition and apply it in the kitchen in easy and delicious ways. And so that's sort of how my business evolved to be able to reach so many people and inspire people to not just learn this information for themselves, but how to become that 
that community leader in their respective communities and, and get this knowledge out in a very beautiful and delicious and inclusive and enjoyable way. And somewhere in there, I wrote two books. Um, my cookbook came out in the fall of 2015. And I now also do work for people in helping them realize their potential and help them get whether they want to create a new business or find the joy and inspiration in the work that they're doing. So we've sort of gone into that realm of lifestyle as well, learning how to love what you do every day. What did you write about in the National Post? Um, I, my first blog was called making love in the kitchen, which I thought was very cute at the time. I now cringe a little bit when I read <laughs> posts. Um, but it was really about, you know, my way of stumbling into the kitchen and, and learning how to cook. So when I, um, sent the editor, uh, a pitch. I was like, I will provide you with a recipe every week for the National Post and for the blog. And I didn't really even know how to cook then. So it became my mission each week to learn a new recipe. And that recipe that actually worked was what I submitted. So I was writing about health and nutrition and, um, and providing recipes. How did you kind of <laughs> talk them into uh, getting you your, you, you know, your, your work submitted by not having experience in that before? Um, well, I didn't necessarily tell them I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I'd heard it was like it was in 2008 and they were just getting a blog off the ground, their own sort of food based blog. And so a girlfriend of mine was writing for the National Post at the time and, and she mentioned they needed online content. So I got the information, the contact info of the online editor and put myself out there and asked for it. And remarkably, they said yes. And, and I delivered, you know, I said what I was going to deliver and I delivered on it every time. I guess that I get. I like how. I mean, I think the biggest thing in life, if you want something, is you need to ask for it. And I think many times, whether it's I hear a story or someone asks me, whatever it is, is you know, how did you get that or how did you accomplish that? And I think it begins with asking. That's the very root of. Uh, it really, achieving. it really does, and not being afraid of being rejected. And I get rejected, you know, if I'm if I don't get rejected at least once a week, I didn't put myself out there enough. Um, and just knowing that, you know, most cases it's not personal at all, and I don't take it personally. And and yeah, so if you ask for things, and it's not just you know related to work, but if you if you want something in your life you have to take action to get it. And I think there's sort of this idea right now, it seems to be that we don't really want to work that hard. We want sort of these dramatic overnight successes in our health, in our business, in our relationships. We want, you know, an aggressive response from aggressive action. And it doesn't really work that way if you're looking for long-term success and you want success built on this solid foundation. And so putting yourself out there, asking for things, doing the work, um, you will reap the benefit of your efforts. All right. So I just want to take a moment to tell you about the tire shop here in Olds. Now, to be honest with you, I'm not really a car person. I wouldn't be the first to fix, well, anything. <laughs> so that's why I trust some a company like the Tire Shop. When I bring my car in there, I always know that it's going to get quality service. I really love the customer service. It's, it's bar none. They treat you like family. And this is a family-run business for 40 years. So they're definitely doing something right. 
and they're not just a tire company. So they do oil brakes, tune-ups, your battery, wheel alignment. They do all kinds of different things to service your car. And now that winter's on the way, it's definitely a good time to get your car checked out, have someone that you trust and, and believe in, and to support the community as well as a local tire shop. You can reach them at 403 403- five five six seven six six zero or if you want to stop in they're at five nine zero three imperial way right behind napa tell us more about taking action i think that this comes up a lot is that the quick fix society we live in with microwaves and drive-throughs and then we have instant responses through email and messaging and then when someone approaches you and, you know, you said earlier, you know, someone may want to take a supplement or maybe a green smoothie, whatever it is. And that's really not the answer. It's not the answer. So, you know, what evolved into into Undiet is this idea about tuning in to your body and to your life and asking the questions, what do I need? What is it that my body needs to be optimally healthy? What is it that my life needs to be optimally happy? And so if you can tune in and start to ask those questions, what you're doing is sort of reclaiming your power and your own inherent knowledge around the life you want to live and and what it takes to do that. And obviously, sometimes you need guidance on the specifics of it. But this idea that you can actually, you know, over time, evolve your lifestyle to be one that is completely maintainable and sustainable and and delivers ongoing the results you want in your life, um, then success is the only option. I think what happens is that we look at, you know, and especially this time of year, we look at, you know, the the crash diets or we look at these fad diets that we, you know, or these fad workout protocols. Like if you, you know, bust your bottom for 30 days, you'll have the abs of your dream. Well, having good abs has nothing to do with health. Um, And if it's not something you can sustain ongoing, you know, it's a futile effort. And so if you can look at more of a gradual, you know, the the slow and steady wins the race. Um, If you look at that gradual approach, you know, taking on one change this week that you can sustain. And when that becomes status quo and it's no longer an effort, you add another thing to that list. And as you add more great and beneficial things into your health regimen, your workout regimen, your lifestyle, naturally the negatives will fall away. And it happens on a day-to-day habit-based basis. But also as you start infusing your life with good food and positive thoughts, the the negative habits you 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 want to be less engaged in them you crave sugar less you crave you know cake and cookies and and whatever your carb fix is less or your salt fix or your alcohol fix or whatever it is that you and you go to when you start to overload it with the good stuff there's no more room for the bad and you know you know labeling it good and bad can be challenging i do think that you know there might be a time and a place for like really awesome chocolate cake but you have to enjoy it in the spirit of celebration what's the most challenging aspect of helping someone understand that a lifestyle is you kind of in it for the long haul i think it's um engaging engaging people in the fact that they are accountable and responsible for their current and future state of health. It's easy to get into a pattern of blaming, you know, like I don't have time or I don't have money or my job doesn't allow this or that. It's like as long as you have those excuses and it's, I call it, it's a chronic inflammatory condition of excusitis. Um, (laughs) 
that you won't ever make a change. You won't ever do anything. And if that's your situation, fine, but stop complaining about it. So I think that in order to make changes and make them last, you really, really need to be accountable for your current state and and committed to the kind of life that you want to live. And I think what often happens, especially when people have specific goals, you know, with Crohn's, with what I had, what often happens is that people um, will make the changes to get the results they want. And as soon as they start feeling better, as soon as you have that dramatic weight loss you've been striving for, whatever it might be, you're like, okay, I'm here. And they, you go back to your old patterns and habits, which brought you to the place of needing to make that change in the first place. So I think one of those challenges around accountability is that if you want to see sustained results, you have to keep going, that this isn't a crash diet. This isn't, you know, a 30-day fitness regimen that's going to change the rest of your life. It's finding a way to sustain it so that you can also have the sustained results. I just wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about Studio Pilates and Red Deer. Now, I had the opportunity to interview Colleen Manning, who is a Pilates instructor and owner of Studio Pilates and Red Deer, and it was an absolute pleasure. There's so many benefits to Pilates, and I'm excited to share more information about Pilates with you. Now, Studio Pilates and Red Deer, they specialize in small group classes. What I think is super cool is everyone that signs up gets their own personal, private consultation and to learn how to use the equipment and get to know the area better. Now, Colleen is such a welcoming and pleasant individual to be around. The whole environment that Studio Pilates has to offer is certainly welcoming. No matter if you're a beginner or an advanced, they have something for you. Now, they have a number of different classes from Piloxing to Booty Bar. They also have men's classes. So they have a number of different options for small class size if that's something you're looking for. And don't forget to check out their Lululemon selection as a distributor in Red Deer as well. Now, if you want more information, head over to studiopilates.ca or they can be reached at 403-341-5911. Tell me more about cravings. That comes up often. And I, well, I guess personally, I believe that it's because we just went through the holiday season and there's treats everywhere and cookies and now sugar is in us. Yeah. So, so a lot of the questions that I'm getting right now is what can I do to fight these cravings? What would you say? That's a good question. So I think that leading up to the holidays and I think that people use excuses you know, leading up to Valentine's Day, leading up to Easter, leading up to the summer, leading up to the Halloween, like whatever it is, you'll find an excuse to eat cookies and cake if you allow that to be negotiable in your life. And so before the holidays, I was being interviewed by by a lot of media, like magazines and stuff doing stories on like, you know, how do you detox after the holidays? And the first thing is always like, know that indulging is optional. You don't have to do that. And you and it's so much easier if you you know, indulge in moderation or you have just one treat or or you have your non-negotiable things. Like I don't eat dairy and gluten under any circumstances. So I'll eat cake. It'll be gluten-free cake. Um, so, so part of it is having that structure in place of knowing that, you know, not everything in moderation is necessary 
or necessarily a good thing or okay. If you have to keep like, you know, readjusting your entire life every time January 1st hits. Um, So that's the first part of it. The second part when it comes to cravings is that the more sugar you have, the more you're going to crave it. And there's a biological component to it. And one of the most fundamental keys to staving off cravings is stabilizing your blood sugar levels. So when your blood sugar crashes, and you get in that adrenaline and and cortisol, that sort of stress response cycle, having sugar will immediately make you feel better. It doesn't make you better. It makes you feel better. So if you can get out of that cycle and start to stabilize your blood sugar, meaning that you're eating every meal has fat, protein, and fiber that will help to stabilize the absorption of that sugar into your bloodstream, you feel more stable so that you don't have those, those crashes and those spikes So that into and of itself will start to stave off those cravings. Staying really well hydrated. You know, January in Canada, and I was just in Alberta, it's very dry. So so so, so hydration is going to be really fundamentally important to staving off cravings. So sometimes when we're feeling dehydrated, what we actually experience is low energy or fatigue or cravings for sweets because that's like an instant burst of energy. So that's going to be a really key component as well is is stabilizing that blood sugar, staying hydrated, and then making sure that your meals are really satiating. So rather than going to those old diets that are like fat-free that I think we've seen now, and there was just a story on CBC about like, wait, cholesterol's not actually bad for you in your diet. Um, so if we can bring that fat back in and the, and have meals that are really balanced and really satiating, we won't be hungry right after. And you know, if we can have that snack before we have the blood sugar crash, there's no more cravings. And when you're craving things late at night, you know, if you're like, it's 10 o'clock and I want to eat all the cookies in the cupboard, first don't have cookies in the cupboard because then you can't eat them. But usually late night cravings are really a sign that your body is just tired. It's seeking energy. So have a glass of water, brush your teeth, go to bed. You know, one of the things that you said was not everything in moderation is necessary. And I really enjoyed you, you know, the way you said that, because I, I think that you talked about excuses earlier. I think it, it's really an excuse when we say, I try to live by the 80-20. <laughs> and I don't mean to make fun of that, but I, I hear it so often. It's like, no, I think you have a right to make fun of it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, it- well, the thing is, and like in what I do is that I will never say to someone like, don't eat that. I will say to someone, you might not want to eat that because this is what it's going to do to you. And this is what it does for your health, or this is what it does to the planet, or this is what it does to the farmer and his family who was growing that, you know, conventionally grown, genetically modified soy, whatever it is. So if you can start to understand not that you're making this choice to fit into a certain pair of jeans, but that you're making this choice because of what the the alternate is, what the negative effect is on you, the planet other people in your community, um, you start to understand and you make your decisions not just based on your taste buds, but also on, you know, our intellect, on our, on our inherent, you know, desire to, to be good people. Um, so that, you know, when you're like 80, 20, so that you can go out and have the genetically modified, you know, pizza that's full of sugar, that people are being paid poorly to grow those crops or whatever it might be, you know, that's what I would call the sin of unknowing. It's like, once you know better, like, don't commit that sin. Just be better. You have everything you need to make that happen. And it's just as easy to reach over, in, you know, into that bowl and eat this or that bowl and eat that. And now at the supermarket, 
there's better options for everything. So when someone comes to you and you're they're just learning about this undiet lifestyle, what's some very beginnerish type of tips where you start someone out and say, this is how you start living a healthy lifestyle? Yes. So I, I don't do consultations anymore because I was very bad at it. I was like, why are you asking me these questions? I already told you all this. Why aren't you doing it? <laughs> it's very impatient when people would come with all these excuses. So, you know, the What's amazing, though, is when someone does come and they join one of our groups or they they participate in one of our programs is that just by asking the questions, you've already taken an incredible first step. And that step is becoming more conscious about how you're living. And so I think it's always worth taking a moment to be like, hey, like, I'm awesome. I'm happy that I asked this question. And I'm really proud of myself for digging in and getting those answers. But some of the easiest things you can start to do to affect your health and the planet and the people on this planet is to, you know, you want to start drinking more water. You want to start drinking clean water that ideally doesn't come from, you know, disposable plastic bottles. Um, You want to eat organic food so you can lower your chemical load. You can lower the impact on the environment. The food is more delicious. It's got more nutrient content in it. Um, And, you know, those are two really important things. And organic food does cost more. So you want to get what is is feasible realistically. Um, And I say realistically because we spend money on strange things. We'll spend money on manicures and pedicures, but we don't want to spend it on the food we eat. Um, so, So those two things are really important. And the other thing I will ask, and I start most of my talks this way, is when I ask the audience, you know, what is the one thing that you know you can start doing today that will have a dramatic or maybe subtle, but it will have an impact on your health, on your fitness level, on your overall lifestyle. So every person has at least one thing they know they need to start doing. And so if they can just commit to that one thing and start doing it, it can change everything because that one thing can lead to another. What often happens is people come come to you and to me and, and other, you know, people they see they go to for health guidance being like, I've got all these problems and I don't know where to start. If you just focus on one area at a time, what often ends up happening is that you do heal all those areas, but you don't have to focus on everything all at once because the body's wholly connected. When you heal one thing, it leads to healing another and another and another. Did you read that book, The One Thing? No, I didn't know there was one. Oh, you have to check it out. It, it's it's Damn, amazing. someone wrote my book for me. They did. <laughs> <laughs> it's but it's it's just it makes so much sense about focusing on one thing and it kind of talks about how multitasking is a myth and how um, by doing so many different things at once it kind of spreads out our focus and sp- our mm-hmm. uh, ability to do do great things focused on one thing and I think it's it you know makes so much sense by you saying whatever you're doing if you focus on one thing and not worry about the million other things you could be focusing on that you yeah. can make changes instantly by well not instantly but you can make more progress by focusing on one particular aspect of your health yeah and I think what happens when you do multitask in in any area of your life is it's very easy to become overwhelmed and to give up and and when I wrote my first book on diet, my publisher wanted like a program in it. And I'm like, oh, these programs are so bad. They're always bad. Um, so to sort of get around that, 
um, what we did do was we put in an eight-week transition plan where every week there's like a couple new habits that you might want to take on. And ideally those habits will stick. And then when they're when you're ready for them, you take on the next set. And that that's really ultimately where I ask anyone to start. And you can create your own plan where it's just like these are the things you wanna you want to bring into your life. So start with the first one be good with that, add in the second one. And so you don't need to have this like dramatic overhaul of your entire life all at once. It will overwhelm you and cause more stress. Megan, tell me about the challenges of teaching in an undiet way, especially with how we are in the society of, I don't know how many people come up to you or, or me and they say, how about this diet? What do you think about this detox? <laughs> I mean, mm. it gets draining on its own. So yours is entirely the opposite. <laughs> yes, exactly. So my philosophy is that labels are for tin cans, not for our diet and lifestyle. And so with that, everyone starts to be able to dictate their own. There's a few things that I do highly recommend, you know, before anyone goes to see their natural healthcare practitioner, if they're dealing with any kind of health issue, whether it's like chronic pain or inflammation or digestive issues, is get rid of gluten, dairy, and sugar. And in both of my books, I explain why. Because, um, you know, any natural healthcare practitioner that's likely going to be their first recommendation. So if you can get rid of those three things first, you might just find that the issue you're having goes away. Um, so that's often a good place to start. And then what I do is I go through, you know, the work that I do and, and the biggest challenge that we often face and that I often face in sharing what I know and teaching, teaching the teachers how to share it is um, – Oftentimes, mainstream media is up against us that, you know, they love the studies that prove that everything we're doing is worthless or useless. You know, they love the studies that say that kale is dangerous or that, you know, organic food is no healthier than conventional food. And then you look into those and you see who funded them and you're like, oh, okay, I get that. So oftentimes we're up against the media and the media, you know, they love the the excitatory headlines that prove that, you know, the good things are bad and the bad things aren't as bad as we think. And so oftentimes it's really just around education and how to read between the lines, how to dig deeper, how to do our own research and how to really trust the information that resonates with us and that makes sense. One of the other things um, that's, I think, really important is that when people first start getting into health, they will gravitate towards one diet or another because we all want some kind of guideline to help us. And I think when you do that, what ends up happening is that you almost start to um, design your own research experience. The more you, for example, the more you research a vegan diet um, on Google, the more information about vegan diets Google will present to you. And the more you look at those kinds of pages on Facebook, the more those kinds of pages will appear. So it's really easy to pigeonhole yourself Um into one area or one paradigm. And so what I think is important too is to see the stuff that supports what you believe and also read the stuff that that contradicts what you believe so that you can get a very balanced opinion um, on, on what it is that you're choosing for your life. And if you're in the position of sharing with others, that you're really sharing from an unbiased position, that you're giving the pros and cons so that people can be like, okay, this is for me or no, you know what, that doesn't make sense for me. So when someone's kind of starting out or maybe involved in any kind of, I suppose, learning to live a healthy lifestyle, how do you how do you find 
unbiased information because usually when you, you you hear something from your friend or someone you trust then you start doing research and then just like what you're saying the more research about one particular aspect you just continue to get more information about that one yeah. particular diet or lifestyle yeah so ultimately you know if we want to stay on the topic of vegan diets, you can look that up and you will find tons of information that will support that as the healthiest lifestyle. And you can also do research that will discount that and be like, these are the cons of it. You know, there's not enough fat or there's not enough protein or whatever it might be. And the truth of it is, you know, if we look at the human population on the planet, there's people who are genetically um, predisposed to thrive on a vegan diet. And there's people who are genetically predisposed to thrive on a very, very high fat, high meat diet. And so anyone can choose any diet and anyone can have results on virtually any diet. You can choose one way of eating and living and it can work for you. And as long as it's working for you, mind, body, spirit, you feel amazing. Your blood work is coming back amazing. Your, your mental and emotional and physical health is fantastic. That's a great diet for you to be on. As soon as it stops working for you, it's time to evolve. And the challenge is that people get so stuck on the label they give their diets that they have fear around evolving that to be like, wait a second, maybe I do need more of, you know, maybe I do need more fat in my diet. Maybe I do need more protein or maybe I need less fat in my diet, whatever the case may be. So that's where it gets really tricky and that's where people really need to be accountable that you can reverse disease going on a specific diet. But is that diet you're on that reverse that disease the one that you're going to sustain for your entire life? No, it doesn't make any sense. If our diets never evolved, we still all be living on breast milk. But we evolved beyond that. And, you know, people who go through their stage of life, children need slightly different diets than adolescents. And women preparing to become pregnant have different diets than women preparing to go through menopause. So at every stage of your life, your diet will need to evolve. And the best way, the only person who's going to know that the best is the individual based on how they feel. And if you're like, I don't know how I feel, then get some blood work done. Check your B, B vitamin levels, your B12 levels, check your vitamin D levels, check your iron levels, check your thyroid hormone, check your sex hormones and see where everything is at. And then work with a qualified practitioner who can say to you, you know what, you're in the normal range by conventional medicine, but you're not in the optimal range for optimal health. Here's what we're going to do to remedy that. So is this something that you would suggest if someone wants to get started? You know, of course, New Year's is, is here and there's all kinds of the gyms are flooding and diets and detoxes are also what, yes. what are some of the things that we can do now to well, I suppose to avoid that and get started in the right direction yeah so um detoxes you know you can use that word very loosely because just drinking you know green smoothies is not likely going to detox anything from your body if you're actually looking on like getting rid of heavy metals or those kinds of things but um you know, detoxes can be great. They can be great, you know, and I use it in quotes, um, a cleaner lifestyle or following a clean eating program um, can be a great way to kickstart um, new habits. And, you know, going hardcore at the gym can be a great way to kickstart new habits. But what you really want to focus on is is cultivating a lifestyle that that you can sustain and maintain long term. And you might disagree with me on this one, but I feel like people put so much 
energy and time into, you know, scheduling in their visits to the gym so they can get a good one hour workout in, you know, three days a week. But what if that's not reasonable for some people? You know, what if you're a, a working mother with two kids, you might not have time for that hour at the gym. So maybe what you can do is 20 minutes every day. So really finding that way where it's not like an all or nothing situation, but a way that you can just start to do something every day that continues to build your health and that of your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But I don't really teach the conventional hour, hour and a half way of training. I think that we all need to find a different avenue to reach the goals that we set out for ourselves. And, you know, 20 minutes a day is more than enough time to get your, your workouts in. But, you know, it doesn't st start at the gym. I mean, it starts in the kitchen and scheduling your, your breakfast and your dinners, yes. whatever you need to get you going in the right direction. Yeah. And we'd go through and in, in my first book, there's actually a whole section on optimizing your time in the kitchen, like how you can actually, you know, plan your meals, shop for your meals, prep for your meals, how to delegate prep so that, you know, there's not just one person responsible for all those jobs. The time in the kitchen can be a wonderful time to connect as a family. Um, you know, I also feel like people always talk about um, how scheduled they are and hockey games and dance classes and all these things that are all scheduled around dinner time. And I mean, I, I was a tap dancer, like when I was 11, I'm not a tap dancer. Now, one of the non-negotiables in my house was that everyone was home for dinner. So if the only time that class was available is at six o'clock, that wasn't the class you were going to take. Um, and I think that that's something to consider. And, and often, you know, I know that parents will often get their back up about this, but there's a ton of research about it. There was an article just in the fall, I think it was in my magazine about how important, family meal time is for, you know, the family, for relationships, for the development of children mentally and emotionally. Um, and so if you can find a way to make the time in the kitchen, the time when a family connects and engages in their food and the power of that food and who grew that food, and maybe it's going to the market together, you know, at least in the summer months and buying that food together and getting to know who grow, grew it, that provides such an incredible solid foundation. Um, of health and well-being and understanding that that what we feed ourselves has a direct impact on the quality of our lives. Yeah, you know, I, it's uh, I, I recently wrote on social media about how I decided to go phoneless. It's been a week now. And Good for you. Yeah, I just thought that, you know, I actually broke my phone and then I, I didn't like phones to begin with. They always seem to be a, a distraction. And, you know, if it's sitting in front of you, I'm going to pick it up and look at social media when I have no business to, <laughs> I'm yeah. in the middle of a project. And and then I think that one of the things that I've gained is being able to spend more time with loved ones while I'm in front of them. And one of them, one of the, I wrote about was sometimes you go out in the restaurant and you see entirely, entire families on some type of piece of like electronic. And of yeah. course, not everyone enjoys hearing that, whether it's the truth or not. But I really, I, I really think that you know what you're saying is involving the children in in more things in the kitchen and more things, whether it's buying groceries, that's going to make so much more difference by by bringing them in and not having so many distractions around. Well, it's interesting too because I use the phone example in um, 
in my book when, you know, because the, the, the top excuses are I don't have time and I don't have money. But 10 years ago, no one had data plans on their phones that were costing $100 a month. But suddenly everyone has a spare $100 a month for that. Or, you know, you know, space abhors a vacuum. So we're all busy, but suddenly now we have time to be on social media where it's really just, re, you know, like you've done, readjusting your priorities a little bit. And it's incredible what kind of funds you can you can find and what kind of time you can find when you when you start to readjust those things. And and you know, um one of the social media channels, Periscope, where you can do these live broadcasts. And my husband Josh, who's a functional nutrition specialist, and I were doing these things last summer. And I was like, you know, we stopped making time to meditate and we weren't exercising regularly, but somehow we had time to do this every day. And so we stopped doing them. I'm like, if I would rather spend my time meditating or exercising than making these little videos that only live for 24 hours. Um, and so we kind of stopped doing these videos and use that time now to, to meditate because to me that would give me more value for my life and also for my business because I know that when I ground in and take that time every day, I'm more effective with everything that I do. That's awesome. Great decision. <laughs> um, I want to wrap things up here, Megan, with some more information about yourself and what you're doing and how our listeners can get a hold of you to find out more information about what you do. Absolutely. So, um, come check me out at megantelpner.com. We have an awesome newsletter that goes out once a week with a new featured blog post. I share recipes, health tips, health advice, business advice, life advice over there. Loads of programs available. And if you really want to take your nutrition, your life, your business, your passion for all of it to the next level, uh, the Culinary Nutrition Expert Program uh, is over at culinarynutrition.com. And the next run of the program begins in September. Uh, we have a global tribe of nearly a thousand graduates in over 30 countries. So it's an amazing, amazing community. And my two books, Undiet and The Undiet Cookbook, are available at most major bookstores and online. So if you really want to dive into Undiet Living, those books are a great place to start. Wonderful. Well, Megan, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your time and expertise with us today on Exploring Mind and Body. My absolute pleasure. Thank you, Drew. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Exploring Mind and Body. I hope you enjoyed that one. That was an absolute blast. Thanks so much, Megan, for coming on and sharing some of your time and information with us. I really enjoyed that interview. Now, before I let you go, if you want to check out my weekly newsletter I send out every Monday morning, I put together a nice little package of my current content. So it has recipes, videos, blog posts, radio shows, podcasts, everything I do that week, I send out Monday morning. All you have to do is head over to trueformlife.com. On the main page, you can subscribe there. I also want to tell you briefly about our monthly membership that's going fantastically. Now, what we do is put together meal plans that include recipes and grocery shopping lists each week. So you have everything planned out for you. You can reduce the stress and wonder of trying to figure out what you're going to make each day. Now, we also have a weekly workout schedules that we put together, all at-home workouts. We have video explanations. We have printable PDFs for you to print out and take home. You can even make your own little binder like some of the members do. 
Now, all you have to do, again, is head over to trueformlife.com. On the main page, there's more information about our monthly membership. And if you do get a chance, uh, ratings and review on iTunes means a lot to me and the show. It helps, well, it helps me understand more about my audience, and it helps the show move up in rankings, which helps the show be more easily found by new listeners that may also want to naturally improve their life. So once again, thank you for being here today on this episode of Exploring Mind and Body. That's it. That's all I got. I'm out of here. As always, I'm your host, Drew Tadia, in health and fitness for a better world. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Exploring Mind and Body with True Form Life's Drew Tadia, fitness expert. To find out more about the show, Drew Tadia, or to listen to past shows, visit exploringmindandbody.com.